This week, I'm joined by DM Challenge winner and writer Andrew B to talk about how you get into the right headspace to write adventures for your own tables, but also for publishing on places like the DMs Guild. We're struggling with the internet connection a little bit this week, but there is some fantastic advice here. So stick with us. Welcome to We Speak Common. Hello and welcome to a brand new episode of the D&D podcast for everyone because here we speak common. This is the show brought to you in partnership with the Dice Dungeon, your one-stop shop for premium D&D dice, whether they're resin, metal or glass, as well, of course, all the D&D paraphernalia that you may want or need. And right now we are in December and they are undergoing the 12 days of Dice Dungeon, which is 12 days at the start of December for the Christmas holiday, where they are giving away dice every single day. Get involved, go and check out the Dice Dungeon Twitter and actually the We Speak Common Twitter right now today, if you're listening to this on Thursday uh, and, and get involved. You can win yourself a set of dice. I'll leave a link in the description below to the Dice Dungeon website as ever and also to, uh, to our Twitter. Where you can go and check that out. Don't forget as well, you can use the code We Speak Common for 10% off. Uh, your entire basket when you are ordering things potentially for Christmas from the Dice Dungeon. We're also brought to you in partnership with Describe. If you're not very good at creative writing, if you want to get that box text filled out for you, or maybe if you're a player and you want to get really good descriptions of you casting spells and swinging your swords, Describe is the place to go. DSCRYB.com is their address. And if you want to subscribe and get 10% off every month for the first two years, the code to use on checkout is common. This week, I am joined by uh, a first-time guest of the show and actually someone I'm very excited to talk about. Uh, you may know him as a writer on the DMs Guild. You may have seen him taking part and successfully being crowned the winner of the DM Challenge quite recently, actually. Andrew, how are you, my friend? I'm good, thank you. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to chat with you. I am super excited to talk to you because you are uh, you're uh, you've done a lot in terms of writing and designing adventures so I'm just kind of excited to hear about like how you get into that and and what it's like from from your point of view but I also am really excited to talk to you about DM's challenge a little bit as well because I watched that quite closely uh, I was I was really excited by the prospect that that Wizards brought out this year so can we can we talk about that first and just get that out of the way? How was it? Um, sure, yeah, absolutely. Well, talk whatever you want. It's your show. Uh, <laughs> I'm uh, I'm I'm happy to oblige you. Um, it was very interesting, and it was very. I mean, it was very fun. It was very, you know work intensive because it would take up essentially you know three days of your week because you know we'd get the challenges kind of late on thursday and then they'd be in you have to have to get them in in 72 hours so basically had to get them in by sunday but between you know just thinking about it in your head and kind of thinking of what you're going to do and then actually sitting down and doing it and then actually editing it you know it took up you know at least your brain for the majority of three days. Yeah. I So I submitted something for the the, the open round, the very first round, and I was like, oh, I'll, I'll give it a go. Um, you know, if I get through, I get through. If not, it'll be fun to watch. And I remember trying to come up with an idea and like get, get it out on paper and, and flesh it out in the short time limit was both like fun and exhilarating and also a little bit stressful so i can't imagine what it must have been like to do that for every single round was there ever a point where you were like i don't know what my idea is gonna be and until it came to you or what was that like uh fortunately or unfortunately i'm I tend to have a lot of ideas, so it, it with me, the issue is more, well, which one of these do you use and which one of these doesn't suck? And um, <laughs> But there was at least one round where, um, like, typically I would kind of come up with my idea around uh, the first day and kind of refine it in my head and, you know, kind of know what I'm, by the time I sit down at the computer to write it, I would actually have a clear idea of what it is. But there was at least one challenge where, you know, I 
had the whole idea thought out. And then, like, by the time I got to the second day, it just wasn't sitting at all well with me. And I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this. I decided to write this. And I kind of changed it last minute. And mm -hmm. I, I can't say that I like the second idea a lot better. <laughs> I mean, it clearly worked. So it must have been good. I mean, yes. Uh, I mean, clear, clearly it must have been good or at the very least better than others. Or maybe the previous ones had been so great and, you know, one uh, not so great idea kind of snuck through. So, like, I mean, you, you, you can't, uh, uh, you know, bat 100 percent or, you know, like score and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So, something like that. You can't, you can't always be amazing or, or so they say. Um, that's that's really cool. I'm really interested to see whether wizards do it again next year and and just what kind of if they do what kind of stuff comes through because it was uh it was a lot of fun watching the the challenges come through i was kind of tempted to like try and follow it and just like play along but that very quickly <laughs> fell out the window i didn't do it in the end um so you kind of said something that set me up quite nicely there about talking about how you've you've always kind of got ideas and i find that i am Pretty much, I do you know what I'm gonna say? I think I'm the opposite. I think I struggle to come up with ideas, but then when I've got one, I'm like, okay, I can I can roll with this now. And you've written loads of stuff. So, what is your your like process for picking an idea and working out, you know, whether you want to roll with it and what you're gonna do with it? Um, I mean. I'm not, I'm kind of gonna, as kind of a preface, I, I want to tell, I guess, your listeners, I'm just going to talk out kind of this way stuff. If folks want to, I'm sure there are courses and stuff. This is how you're supposed to do stuff. And, you know, yeah. I've taken some of them, but I'm not going to re sort of repeat, you know, this is what you can learn in a three step to writing your adventure kind of course. So, mm -hmm. um, but, um, Generally, I, I like I'll always have things floating in my head and uh, my concepts kind of fall into several categories. Sometimes there is a mechanic or a monster that kind of inspires me. You know, I see something in a book um, like one of one of the books. I think it's in it's either in Volos or in Mordekainen's. There's a monster called the Balhanoth, which is this um monster from the shadow fell which has got all this this whole cool backstory to it and i was reading and i'm like okay i need to write something about this monster mm -hmm. i kind of started working backwards well what kind of adventure would this monster be in and then uh, because there is a lot of lore kind of written in around it already i was like well it's got, you know, five miles radius of effect and it makes people think that their greatest treasure is sitting next to it. And I'm like, OK, so now I'm going to start with that, that five miles away, somebody realizes that the greatest treasure is down this hole. And then it's like, how do people get there? So that's kind of one way is just like seeing a creature or seeing some kind of element in something published. Um, other ways that um, other places, I guess, that ideas come from um you know i i travel a lot you know when we're not the world is not undergoing a pandemic um you know i try to see things and like kind of uh get in i get inspired by a lot of stuff like i have adventures i went to new zealand and australia and so all kinds of cool stuff and i came back and i wrote a couple of adventures inspired by like travels there involving sharks you know and involving glowworms and things like that just like hey i see i went into a cave in new zealand which has these glowworm creatures and you can only see them when it's completely pitch black otherwise they're kind of invisible and i'm like wow. oh my god this, this is a dnd monster right here or a dnd thing i'm like how do i write an adventure about this creature that can only be perceived in total darkness and mm. um that's and i wrote um an adventure called fate of the nightworms um and it's essentially i took that and then this segues perfectly to my next source of inspiration which is movies or tv shows or whatever um 
shortly before that, the film Arrival came out, where this there was this whole idea of trying to communicate with aliens where you don't share a language. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, well, I want to do that. And then also I had this idea about these really strange creatures. And I'm like, well, why don't I put the two together? And because you have these creatures who you can't see, and maybe they don't speak the language. So there's going to be a whole thing about encountering these alien creatures for the first time and learning to communicate with them. And that's going to be the crux of the adventure. That's really cool. I think that I love all of that. I think that a lot, every, something that everyone can kind of um, get on board with and, and, and understand is kind of watching something on TV or watching a movie or, or maybe hearing a story, reading a book and, and finding that piece of inspiration and going, oh, wow, I want to do that. But it's so interesting to hear you say that you're pulling from things that you're experiencing in everyday life. Because I think I find myself doing that from time to time too. Like I'm, I tend to run written adventures. Like I'm, I'm working on my own, but, but most of the time I'm running stuff that's published and I'm always adding stuff to them. Like I, I think of something like, oh, that would be cool if if that happened in a game or or this would be really cool if I came across this as a player, so I'm going to do it for my players. And I find ways to sometimes shoehorn and sometimes very elegantly slip them into predetermined adventures. But doing that on a level of a whole adventure is is just the next step up from that, I guess. Um, so that's, that's really cool. When you're uh, taking those ideas and you're writing them out what comes first for you is it the plot and the story or is it the uh like the mechanical side and how it's going to work as a game um it is always like 150 percent of the time the story it's always all, all everything i write and create is there is always a knowledge of this is what's going to happen in adventure there are times when I want to experiment with mechanical things like I want to create a certain type of trap or maybe I hate apps and I want to do something interesting with a trap. But it is that's always secondary to like I probably have maybe I don't know if I have a like I don't have a physical list of things that I want. Change or try or I think that or I don't like and want to improve on mechanically, but like I kind of have them in the back of my head but I will implement them as I am writing the adventure and creating the story. So to to give a more concrete example, because otherwise it's just kind of general (laughs) rambling here. Um, So I'm working on an adventure right now. And one of the things that I always kind of want to do something new different was, is the opening of an adventure because, you know, the you're all in a tavern and the NPCs giving you a mission is like really tired. Yeah. Um, so first of all, I have an adventure coming out called Red Masks, which I wrote for um, a Game Hall Con, which is um, which was um, just about a month ago. And I it premiered there. It should be out on DMs Guild in a month or so. Um, cool. Hopefully. I um but and that adventure starts with it starts in a tavern except your party is sent to the tavern to recruit a group of adventurers i like it yeah it's like like just twist it on its head a little bit yeah and uh, part of it is uh, you have a budget so you have to negotiate with all the adventurers so in in practice, uh, you know, by the time the whole group was done and they all renegotiated so hard, you know, I, I would always tell the groups, well, now the next time you ask NPCs for more money, maybe you'll consider that they have problems and budget. <laughs> that's so good. That's like a really, that's like a passive aggressive DM thing. I love that. Um, that that's great. Yeah, because now, now when they come up against you as an NPC, it's like, oh. Oh, I don't want to ask for more money, but I do. I know the pain. That's perfect. That's good. Yeah. So going back to the the actual example I was going to give of the one that I'm working on now. So it's the same thing. You know, I have characters starting and they're going to come together. And I'm like, well, really, they, they're going to meet in this town. They're going to go on a mission together and um, they're going to get some instructions. So really it's a start in a tavern sort of thing but how do i make it interesting so i have my story to your question of what's going to happen they're going to meet in a town and they're going to go on their adventure but i also have this 
mechanical thing that I want to do something different than just meet in a story. So what I'm doing for this one, and this is something that I've done when I've been DMing another editor. And what I did was to have the, uh, uh, in lieu of introduction, is I gave each of the characters. Now, when I did it for DMing, I kind of personalized it because I knew the characters. But mm -hmm. I gave each character, this is what you know when you meet the other characters at the start. And the other characters don't know this. So the first meeting when you get together, you're all going to share in character things you know about what's going on. Mm -hmm. So instead of an NPC showing up and saying, you know, you're going to these haunted ruins, one, one PC is going to know that the ruins are haunted. Another PC is going to know that maybe tigers live there, etc. I'm kind of making that up. But <laughs> they're going to have this conversation in character and it's going to allow them to both introduce their characters as well as introduce the story that needs to be introduced. So I'm going to kind of do that for the introduction for this adventure, where I'm going to create these like four or five handouts. And I'm going to tell the DM, give these handouts to your uh, players and then have them meet in the tavern and kind of talk with each other. Yeah, I like that. That's nice. It's I think there's a lot to be said about not reinventing the wheel, but just adding a spoke or two. So, you know, taking that thing that that happens all the time and, and personalizing it a bit. Um, a really good example of PCs giving information that I can think of. I and mean, we, we're, I'm running Tomb of Annihilation at the moment for a party. And um, as is the way with Tomb of Annihilation, we've had some player deaths and so new characters have come in. And, and through that, one of the, players is a, a a native of Cholt. So when they got to, I think I've talked about this before on the show actually, but when they got to the temple of the uh, the Man of the Crocodile, that player knew the story and it didn't come from an NPC, it came from the player. And it just adds that level of kind of, I think immersion is probably what I would call it because the players are bought in more. They feel like they're, they're living that, that moment. So yeah, that's, that's really nice. And you can, you can probably do that with lots of things as well. Like I'm just thinking now, like, What's a really common D and D trope? Like, oh, you know, like a, a dragon's horde. Okay, can you can you take something about a dragon on a dragon's horde and and alter it just ever so slightly to make it unique and new? Yeah, mm. for sure, for sure. And um, I mean, even uh, pre-written adventures like Rime of the Frostmaiden kind of did this with a little bit with character secrets and stuff, but uh, yeah. Um, that was super generic, uh, but it kind of had to be for a really long adventure like that. But even like, like, like you said, that when you make it personal to the character, like your Tomb of Annihilation example is perfect because you have your character from Chult. But now instead of that character even having to say every time, oh, I'm from Chult, can you let me make a history check? You can have, because you've established it, you can have other characters in player characters just anytime they need to know something about Chalt, they will turn to Bob, who is from Chalt, and say, Bob, do you know anything about this? And now that player doesn't have to like bear the brunt all the time. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a there's something to be said as well about like, I mean, I as a player, I'm always looking for information. Like if you ask me to play in your game, I'll be like, okay, cool. Tell me everything that I would know ever. As, a, as someone who lives in this world, because I like to be able to like use that in my role play. And so as a DM, I tend to I tend to give PCs like a little book. <laughs> I'm like, here you go. Here's everything, you know, uh, read this. Um, and, and so, you know, it can that can be a lot like you might want to be a, play, a player who just says, hey, I'm from this place. Can I do history checks? But if you want to have that extra reading, I suppose then um, I'm sure DMs, I, I don't think I know a DM who wouldn't be up for giving you that to use in, in a game. It, it adds a level that, and, and, a, and a bit of buy-in from a player to a DM is like a birthday present. That's like the best thing that, that a player can ask for. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So there's, I mean, I've, I know you've written loads of, loads of stuff and you've, you've written for different things as well, but you've written quite a few things for, DMs Guild and, and there's probably a bunch of titles that, that listeners will recognize when you're and this is this is probably a bit of a specific question now 
but I know that there are people uh, who will be interested in this. But when you're writing for something like DMs Guild, how does your uh, your style or the way you approach writing an adventure change, or, or does it stay the same? Um, well, for me specifically, um, I started out writing for the DMs Guild. So, mm-hmm. um, so I started out by um, playing and DMing uh, through the D&D Adventures League, which is the official Wizards um, organized play program. And they had this program that um, still exists in different form that would allow you to write adventures for local events. So you, your local mm-hmm. event, Adventures League event, could have an exclusive adventure for play. And it had to be written in a very specific format, and it had to be published in DMs Guild. So right from the very beginning of uh, my sort of adventure writing career, which is not that long, I've only started uh, uh, about four, uh, three, four years ago, uh, but um, I was writing for the DMs Guild, and I think it was actually really, really beneficial to start that way because right from the very beginning i knew that things existed such as you know such as the style guide that you had to you know write in the um, format things in a certain matter i had clear examples of what an adventure should look like now i'm gonna um kind of um elaborate on that maybe that you know Adventure doesn't have to look a certain way, but I have clear examples of how, you know, adventures in the program that I'm writing for and adventures written by Wizards of the Coast for this program, how those looked like. So to me, they were viable examples. You know, if you're writing Mm. an adventure, you know, under a different program or even for a different game, then, you know, like it could look like whatever you want. But I had clear examples right down to, and I would recommend this, like anybody who is thinking about writing an adventure and for any for anything dnd buy a one-shot adventure or you don't even have to buy them some of them like there's free one-shot adventures mm-hmm. um and you grab anything that's either you know by wizards of the coast um on the dm's guild like like i said something sh- short from one of the adventures league seasons or from an independent uh, writer and take that adventure and essentially delete everything but the headings mm-hmm. and then change the headings to be generic so like just leave leave where it says chapter one area description notable characters and try filling in a couple of pages of that and just see how it works for you because it, it, it i think it's a very good way to very quickly tell whether this is something you're going to want to do whether this is something for you because when you actually sit down and start writing you have to think of it in these things well what's the background of the adventure okay i i'm gonna have the first scene of the adventure okay where does it take place now i need to write a description of the location now i need to write who's there and now maybe i can write what actually happens and so Mm -hmm. somebody who's never written may not realize that like all these things go into putting things down on paper and i think just taking a sample and like I said, just like completely demolish it, like copy it to a Word document and keep just the headings that you need to fill in and then put in your own content under the com- headings. And like only, you only need to do it for a couple of pages before you kind of realize, OK, I got a sense of how this goes and I want to do it more. Or, you know, it's like, oh, my God, this has all this extra details and this is actually really difficult and this is really not how I want to, you know, interact with D&D. Yeah, that's. That's actually a really interesting uh, piece of advice and something I've never thought about doing because I, so I know for, for me personally, like I've always loved the idea of writing and like even just like I love what well, everything I do is storytelling in different formats, but I've always loved the idea of like writing a story, writing a book, but I know that I'd need to really get in the right headspace to do it. And then D&D for me is kind of like when I play D&D with my party uh that is that is kind of hitting that that itch for me it's telling stories but it's a very different type because you're telling it with other people and when i write adventures for for me to run and i know that it's just me that's going to run them and no one else needs to read the notes and really understand what's going on i find that a lot of the time 
my notes probably you could put them together and you probably could run something from them but a lot of it stays in my brain and when i have to write it down i have to like really motivate myself to do it so i know that while i could write an adventure fully out and and you know publish one i probably wouldn't enjoy it as much as i would just writing it and running it and i think that's why i kind of lent toward the whole uh, podcast side of things, the talking side, doing the actual plays now, like sharing my stories that way is much more accessible for me. Um, so that's really, that's a really good piece of advice. And I think something I do personally when I'm, when I am writing stuff out and when I am writing my thoughts and my descriptions and my mechanics and things down, I try and do them in a, uh, in a, I'm going to say air quotes, professional way. I try and do them in the the proper way, as it were, because that gets me practicing. So I think something I would add is if you get to that point where you're like, do you know what? I like writing adventures. I, I want to publish something. I would start writing the stuff that's just for you in that format. So you get used to it because there is a cadence to it. There is like the right wording and the right structure of sentences and things. And and like you say, with the way the the headings are laid out in the different sections as well. So yeah, I, I, I might have to go and try and do that, you know, and see how I get on. I'd be really interested to see how I get on doing that. Yeah. And um, one of the, you know, maybe most important piece of advice anybody gave me when I started was uh, uh, from actually the organizer that I was uh, writing my first adventure for, who, who himself had written a couple of things. He said, just remember, when you're writing an adventure, you're not writing a story. Uh, which to me sounds like blasphemy. Uh, well, you're, not, you're not writing a story. You're writing an instruction manual for a different dungeon master. Mm. And that, like, that is, and like for me, and there is, um, there's quite a lot of, um, I guess, back and forth or discussion in design circles whether a RPG adventure should be considered a story and like the, the very common brain is kind of it's like well you don't write a novel you know don't you don't lay out all the plot don't railroad your players and um, i think a lot of that is kind of bullshit um to be <laughs> honest uh because i think you can very much have a solid plot and you can have things that happen and it could be railroaded and your players will still love it like you you Players can still interact with the story, even though the story beats are planned out. But it is, I do agree, it's super important not to write it as a novel or not to write it as just a story. It will have a story, but it needs to be written as instructions for, the, for somebody else to tell a story, not as a story itself. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And that, that rings true, I think. 100% and I, I kind of the thing I equate it to is that that old conversation of it does the art belong to the artist or does it belong to the consumer and I think with D&D and with any like tabletop RPG like if you're writing an adventure for other people to run as soon as you've put the pen down or, or typed the last word and and that's that's done it's finished I think I would always say that adventure no longer belongs to you. It belongs to the people that run it because they're going to change it, right? We're always encouraged as DMs and I always encourage DMs to take adventures and change them and, and put their bits into it and take the stuff out of it and mix it around and do what they want with it to make it theirs. And yeah, an instruction manual rather than a, than a story 100%. But you're right though too, because there's there's railroading is kind of like a fallacy to me. I think it exists and it doesn't exist. And there is art to be to running a railroad and not having your players know that you're railroading them the whole time and them having an absolute blast of a time. So that I mean, that's a different conversation entirely. But but yeah, I think you should absolutely start an adventure with that amazing idea or that amazing set piece that you want players to experience. But when you write it out, make sure that other people who have no idea what they're going to read can pick it up and just run it and, and get it right. Yeah, for, for, for sure. Um, yeah, it's, um, it's funny because uh, what people typically say, um, like the, 
the common conversation is about, well, it is a collaborative storytelling game. And when mm. people say that, what, they, what they're usually implying is that it's going to be a collaboration between the people at the table. But in reality, it's a collaboration if you're writing adventures between the writer of the adventure and whoever else may be participating, editors, artists, etc. But it's a collaboration between whoever wrote the adventure. It's a collaboration between that person and the people who built the system. It's a collaboration between the adventure designer and whoever created the setting. When I write in the Forgotten Realms, which is what the DMs Guild lets you do, I'm mm -hmm. collaborating with everybody who's ever done anything to create in the Forgotten Realms. And then you take that, and then the DM is collaborating with all those people, and then the players are collaborating with those people. So the collaboration's not just at the table. The collaboration is this like great giant thing that exists, which is kind of awesome. Yeah, that's that's gorgeous. That's so beautiful. And because I always say as well, I always describe D and D as a collaborative a collaborative storytelling experience. Um, because for me, it's it's all about telling the story, and and to hear you say it that way, and to to expand that to the that not just the writers but the artists and and everyone who's who's effectively put their name down on a setting that's yeah that's really nice that kind of encapsulates everything that is D and 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 you know tabletop rpgs as a whole for me so oh i like that i like that a lot it's also as well um a collaborative experience when you include the fact that there are things we absolutely definitely need to play D&D like for example a really nice D&D dice yes that's right that's how I'm getting into the ad read this week uh the 12 days of dice dungeon are happening right now as you listen to this episode which means that Christmas is really close and I need to get shopping probably with the dice dungeon if you know a dm or a player that uh, needs some new premium dice whether they're resin metal glass maybe they need a nice felt lined dice tray or a brand new copy of the player's handbook because they've worn their version out then head over to the dice dungeon there's links in the description below and you can use the code we speak common to get 10 percent off your entire order so everything in your basket gets 10 percent off uh, and if you go over to their Twitter and our Twitter today, you can get involved with the 12 days of Dice Dungeon, which is 12 days of giveaways. So, I mean, go and get involved. You could basically get a free Christmas present for someone if you win or just for yourself because you deserve a gift too. Go and check out Dice Dungeon right now. They ship from the UK worldwide and you can get 10% off with the code we speak common. Uh, and if you are an aspiring writer, then I would highly encourage you to go and check out our other partner, which is Describe. Describe, spelled D-S-C-R-Y-B, com on the end there for the website, is the place to go to get beautifully written uh, creative box texts for your homebrew games. Or, well, for any game, really, wherever you're running. But they're designed to be box texts from adventures that you can just take and put into any game that you're running whether you're a player or a DM, they've got over 14,000 scenes written by professional writers to pretty much describe anything from monsters to magic to uh, swords and, and items and locations to go and have a look. And if you are an aspiring writer, have a read through some of their free scenes and get those juices flowing and, and practice rewriting them to, to get better at, at describing locations and spells and things. If you want to get a uh, full access to over 14,000 scenes and growing, you can use the code COMMON for 10% off your subscription every month for the first 10 years. There's a link in the description below, as always. Describe is dscryb.com. Check them out. Um, and of course, uh, thanks to both of our partners, as always, for supporting the show, especially coming up to the, uh, the festive season. It's always good to have some support when it gets a little bit chilly outside. Um, okay, so I'd love to... Pick your brains then, Andrew, about some uh, tips and tricks for, I think we're going to start on just writing adventures. So not worrying about like publishing them, but first like DMs who maybe they've been running adventures and they've got that idea or maybe they've got their homebrew setting and now they're, they're ready to, to pop a plot down and put their players in it. Uh, what advice do you have for writing something that's really going to grab their players' attention? 
Um, I that's, always. That's a really big question as well. Yeah, that, that's <laughs> a really big question. It's like, oh, here, well, in the next. I've dropped you in the deep end now. Yes, in the next 10 minutes, I will reveal to you the secrets of. No. Um, ah. uh, I, w- I, I wish could. Um, but one thing, and I kind of came to this. Um, um, I kind of realized that I've been doing it all along, but I kind of came to this while I was doing the DM challenge because there was like a lot of pressure to sort of be, you know, very creative very quickly and kind of very, mm. come up, come up with things. And um, and I find that go to your wildest sort of most weirdest ideas, like the craziest thing you can think of. Like, go there and make notes. Like, basically, I would, the way I describe it is, like, go out to the edge where all the crazy shit is, take notes, you know, of what the crazy shit looks like, come back with those notes, and then use your kind of skill and your logic and your common sense to mold those notes into... um into something that actually works. I'm not saying, you know, just go with the weirdest stuff because some of the stuff, a lot of stuff you're going to have to throw out. But like, if you're somebody who is just kind of looking for inspiration, I'm, don't throw things out before you've kind of evaluated them. Because I think a lot of people do that. It's like, oh, I have this great idea, but it'll never work. So what should I do? And now I have no ideas. Well, what about that? idea that you just talked about that you already threw out like you know let's talk about that let's talk about what we can do with that and i'll give you an example of it and mm-hmm. i've i've i've, ta- I've uh, talked about this example a little bit i think elsewhere i forget where but um so for the dm challenge the original challenge was to create a trap yeah you had to create a complex trap and being on twitter way more than i really should be <laughs> uh my brain immediately went well, I should submit a thirst trap. Yeah. And, uh, you know, then if I win, Wizards is going to have to say the winner is a thirst trap. And it's going to be really fucking funny. And um, so that's where my mind went, because, you know, it's not exactly the cleanest place in the world. Um, And you know what? And I did that. So we are. And here we are, because so I went, OK, I want to make a thirst trap. And I'm like, well, you know, obviously, I'm just not going to send pictures of myself. Um, so uh, <laughs> which would not. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on from that. thought. Um, so I thought, well, OK, well, wh- but what if I make my trap and it's based around thirst? That's mm-hmm. unusual. I don't think I've ever been in a trap that made you thirsty like physically thirsty and i'm like okay well what um and then thirst took me to sand and uh, you know that took me to um the city of brass which is really hot and then like and suddenly that collaboration comes in that because somebody at some point invented the city of brass which is on the plane of fire which is really hot and mm-hmm. now i can use that great idea to make my thirst trap and a reality. And then I created all these, you know, potions and things that went into my trap. And essentially that the trap is kind of without giving too much away, you know, there are some potions and if you drink them, they make you more thirsty. Mm-hmm. And then certain things happen and it kind of gets you more into the action and the trap. But so, and the trap is very, I mean, it got me into the finals. So I'm going to say that probably it's pretty decent. Yes. Uh, yeah, no, you um, can absolutely say that. <laughs> yeah, so by by all by all accounts, it it worked okay. But I went, I had my super wild idea, you know, of writing a third trap, and then I came back and I said, okay, well, you know, what can I do with it? And I just started tweaking it, and I started applying. Well, how do I make this clever? How do I make this so that players have to interact with it? How do I make it random? And then again, I took those the collaboration with the lore of the city of brass to create a setting for the trap. And then I went into Xanatars, which we were using for the complex trap mechanics. And I said, okay, well, what elements does a complex trap have? It has to have dynamic element. It has to be, have, you know, this kind of element has to have an element that does damage. And I used that information to say, okay, I need the dynamic element. What's going to be the dynamic element. So, Kind of, you can use structure 
to help you. A lot of people think of structure or having to write to a template as, oh my God, you're constraining my creativity. I don't think of it that way. You can think mm. of it as focusing you, telling you, okay, write this in because like, no matter how small the box is, you can always be creative within it. So like, you can always go beyond, but start by, you know, matching your content to what the, um, to what the, box that you're writing for is yeah, like I, that's that yeah sense. no that absolutely makes sense and that's that's something i see a lot of people you know uh, people genuinely do think oh god i've got restrictions but you can you can use those for lack of a better word restrictions those guidelines to make you rework your idea into something that's gonna fit and that that's really powerful i am um, <laughs> i love the first trap i i have heard you talk about that before it's all coming back to me but i I think that's such a, a unique way of like thinking and creating things. Cause I, I think, what did I do? I went straight for like, Oh, I want to, I want to do something like dark and classic. Cause my, I was in that kind of place. But then I think of recently I was in a, um, a pitch meeting for, uh, for some work stuff and I had to like pitch some ideas for some, some new content stuff, you know, radio stuff. And the only thing I could think of at the time for some reason was that pug on TikTok that that decides whether you're going to have a good day or a bad day based on whether he'll sit or stand in the morning and whether it's a no bones day or not. And now I'm thinking, oh, could I, could I take no bones day and make a complex trap out of that? Absolutely. When have we ever seen a trap where, you know, the players might lose all the bones in their body? That's, that's terrifying and absolutely complex. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that absolutely is like, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Like you like, yes, you're looking at a, you're inspired by a pug and by bones. But, you know, you take that inspiration and you bring it back and you put it on your mental workshop table and you take it apart and, you know, you take the parts that you want and then you build something that what you're actually building out of it. Like you don't have to like go with that original with all of it you know like you can take a meme and you take can take the best part of a meme and bring it back and do something interesting with it right so mm. yeah yeah absolutely and i think as well it's it's nice to talk about getting ideas for fantasy things from like everyday mundane life because i know that i personally am i'm i always want to create right i always want to be making stuff and I struggle to find the time in the day to to always sit down and do that. And I know that there's there's a level of um what's the word? Uh not motivation. There's a level of like commitment to to finding the time and making yourself do that like every day or every week or whatever. But um the idea of being able to draw inspiration for something in a fantasy world where magic is everywhere from my daily life when I might have popped to, you know, Starbucks and gone to work for the day. Like that's, that's gives me hope that, you know, I could probably wander down the street tomorrow, see something, and then the idea will spring. So I think something I would say is don't beat yourself up if you're not writing all the time and you're not creating all the time, but try to always be thinking about it, even if you're not writing it. I did a long drive uh, yesterday. Uh, I went, I had like seven hours in the car across the whole day and, you know, it was like three and a half hours both ways. And there was a moment when I was driving back and I was like, ha, huh, I've got, I've got this, this thing to, I'm going to say it anyway, because the listeners know it, but season two of Cosmic Causeway, I was thinking about that, our actual play series. And I was like, okay, like I've got the, I've got this and I've got this stuff all laid out in my brain and I know how, what I want to show and, all, and all, what the players are going to experience. But I had some like ideas floating around and just because I was, you know, sitting, I wasn't doing anything strenuous. I couldn't write, but I could think. And just that time to think while I was doing a mundane task, like driving to a location was enough to really get the brain going. And and now I know, you know, exactly what I'm going to do. And I just need to find the time to put my hands to the keyboard as it were. Yeah. And uh, for folks, um, who, you know, who may not have, like, who may struggle with, you know, with generating ideas or with, um, like, here's a simple exercise, like, pick something utterly mundane 
and see how far you can take it. I'm not saying write an adventure about it, but like you mentioned, you know, you stop in Starbucks. Well, mm-hmm. what's Starbucks famous for? Well, they're famous for writing the wrong people's name on the coffee cup, right? Yeah. Well, imagine that, like you can create some kind of cool adventure where there was this some ancient wizard and maybe he used to misspell spells on purpose or miswrite histories or like there you go like you have the basis for a fantastic adventure i love that i used to play around with a magic item that would allow you to change a single letter in the name of a spell and therefore change the effect of it so you know like oh god i'm not gonna be able to think of an example off the top of my head but you could change uh firebolt to uh yeah you could i mean you could if you can think if you can take a spell and change a letter and make it say a word what would that spell then do right so um pain becomes uh sane okay well what does okay it's not spelt right but what (laughs) but what what does that spell do does it make someone sane if they're insane, like come up with that. And so the idea of a wizard that changes his spells is a lot of fun. You could you could do a lot with that. Yeah. And like I said, it, it's a simple like thought exercise. And if you want to like if you're somebody, if you want to get better at generating ideas, just do that. And there's kind of a couple of ways to go at it. One is, you know, make something mundane into something special. Or the other way is just like, how do you completely break something so if if it's something like in a magical world like you know wizards well how do you make an unwizard what's the ultimate opposite of a wizard what's the what's a wizard that works ultimately in completely different ways from what wizards work actually work like and then you can go off that and just like you know if you you start doing that with kind of mundane things as you're driving or having coffee or whatever just like eventually becomes almost second nature and i think it'll help you generate more ideas hopefully it will yeah definitely i love these tips we had one recently from um jeffrey came on uh jeffrey golden and he said if you want to get better at writing and and you find yourself sat somewhere like at a coffee shop, just start writing what you're seeing. Like take a notepad and 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 write what you're seeing going on around you as if you were, you know, describing it in an adventure. And and it's the same as that. That that's what we're talking about here. It's finding that thing and making it into something different to to get those juices going. It's it's great advice. Um we're we're sort of coming towards the tail end of the episode. So before we get there. Uh, what I what I want to ask you next, and and I would be amiss if I didn't. I know a couple of listeners who would tell me off if I didn't ask you this. What's your advice for people who want to start writing adventures for, say, the the DMs Guild? What would you say is the the place to start for that? Um. So, I'll, I'll say a couple of couple of things in that regard. Mm-hmm. Um. First of all, there is a um. Uh, there is a big DMs Guild creator community. Uh, and there's a DMs Guild uh, creator Discord, which you need an invite for. But if you know any other kind of creators, you can get an invite. And I think you can... Uh, it used to be on Facebook, but I think now it's just purely Discord. But um, I'll uh, I'll see if I can get you a link or... Oh, yes, please. So, uh, something that talks about that so you can get involved in the community um and there's people who a will give tons of advice and b there is always people doing um sort of uh collaborations and like sort of big projects where you don't have to a you don't have to you know write the entire thing yourself you don't have to worry about things like editing and publishing and getting art and like sourcing things uh where you can just kind of write a little bit maybe you can write one encounter and you know uh, you can work with other people who will kind of guide you in that process so that's kind of there's always like big uh collaborations like that happening in between DMs Guild folks. Um I also I do want to kind of forewarn people that like if uh, to have I guess realistic expectations because the DMs Guild um is extremely saturated and mm-hmm. like there's a lot of, like literally on any given day 30 things come out and your thing gets swept off the front page like uh, you know an hour after it, it's put out. So yeah. like 
it is entirely possible that the first thing you write will not get noticed or will not become popular. It might. Like, there's lots of first-time writers who've had great success also. So just, um, but have realistic expectation. And it doesn't mean that it's because your thing was not good. Because if you wrote something and it's published, you can then parlay that into, you know, the next project, maybe you work with somebody else. You say, well, I wrote this thing. It's on DMs Guild. You can read it. You can see it there. And at the very least, you kind of, you've added to your writing resume and anybody who's looking at working at, with you, at the, at the very least, they can see, hey, this person actually completed something. Uh, so mm -hmm. that's good. Uh, there are... Um, there are lots of tips out there for writing. There's lots of like bloggers and things like that. And, you know, all you need to do is Google adventure writing tip, tips for that. Uh, my biggest tip I kind of gave earlier where, you know, before you commit to it, just like download your favorite adventure. First of all, if you haven't run or played a pre-written one-shot adventure, uh, you should definitely like at the very least read it and probably run it before you try writing one just because mm -hmm. if you're used to just like running your own campaigns and you like do your own stuff it's different just take a look at what it is so you know what you're getting into and do that exercise where you get rid of the content and fill in the headings with your own stuff um because again it'll you might that might not be your final product but just like you write a couple of pages like that and it will quickly tell yeah. you calibrate you to whether it's something you want to be doing and um, so those are a couple of tips. Uh, I also, um, I always write out a summary uh, of the adventure. I write it out or sometimes I graph it out, depending on how branching the story is, because sometimes it's easier to see things visually, especially if you have different branching paths. But mm -hmm. you know, it's as simple as, you know, five bullet points on a beach, part one. Party meets in town, NPC tells them there is an evil um, tree in the woods. Part two, party goes to the woods, fight bandits. Part three, party gets to evil tree, finds out it's cursed. Part four, party goes to the kill the witch that cursed the tree, and uh, you know the end. Just like mm -hmm. it's, and I'm not exaggerating that that literally would be your outline. You don't need more than that. You just need to know these are the four main things that happen. And then you just fill in the blanks. You can figure out, you know, what kind of curse is on the tree? How does casting detect magic work in it? You can figure all that out when you're writing it. You don't need to figure it out ahead of time. But you should have an idea that there will be a curse. There will be somebody responsible for the curse. The task will be to find who is responsible for the curse and stop it. And then you can figure out the details later. But like you should have like the story and it doesn't have to be that linear. Like I said, it could have multiple branching paths. You know, the answer could be to you find out the tree is cursed and you can cut it down or you can go find the witch or you can go find the healer who can uh, heal the tree or you can go find the druid who can grow a new tree or something like you know, it could be as wide open as it as you want. But you should have an idea of what it is. Mm -hmm. um, and then last and very short uh, um, piece of advice is you should actually do it. Like if you're thinking about it, like do it or at least start down the path of doing it. And if you don't finish it and you figure out um, that you don't like it, you don't have to. Because um, I, every time that like I get stuck on something or ever, I kind of remind myself and this is a, a bit crude, but really you sitting down. And you're literally just making shit up. Yeah. It's like, oh, what happens next? I don't know. Oh, I can just make shit up. That's the yeah. beauty of this game. It's like, oh, I don't know what happens next. I can just make shit up. It's like, it, it, it's really like, the, it's the secret to all writing. Make shit up. <laughs> I love it. I love that so much. And I think there's, there's that age old thing of, of like, oh, you just got to do it. You just, just do it. And when you're, someone aspiring or, or you're looking at, at people that you are inspired by you, you often and you know I've been there I, uh, years ago I think about when I was first sort of trying to break out into the creative industry and I was looking at at people that were doing it and I was like guy oh, how are they doing like I want to do that it's like just do it and you hear that and you think 
oh, but I can't just do it. Like, it just can't be that simple. It, it is. And it and it's frustrating to hear that until you realise it and you live it. So, yeah, make shit up. Just do it. I love that. Um, that's, a, that's a really nice place to close. I think the, the last thing I'll say is that I, I stumbled upon a, uh, a quote, a proverb, I don't know what you want to call it, um, actually today, this morning, and it was, uh, someone asked me, that not me, this is what the proverb was, proverb was. it was um, someone asked me how I get people to start considering their, myself as an artist or a writer. And the answer is just start writing or drawing and dare them not to consider you as one. So go out there, write shit, make it up, and and before you know it, you'll you'll be a writer. You'll be living that life. Fake it till you make it. Um, Andrew, this has been such a wonderful conversation. Thank you for joining me and and for inspiring me and I'm sure many of of our listeners. Before uh, I close off the episode. Um, this is your time to to plug absolutely anything and, and everything you're working on right now. What have you got coming up and where can people find more of you on the Internet? Um, OK, uh, well, thank you for having me. It's been it's been a blast to talk with you. Um, so people can find me on the Internet. Um, I have a website. It's toweringtales.card.co, which I will, can probably put in the notes. Um, I am on Twitter. Uh, my uh, tag is at J's and like the letter N, not and J's and dragons. And uh, you can follow me on Twitter where I spend entirely more time than I really should. Um, most of my work can be found on DM Guild. Aside from DM Guild, I've done some um, Kickstarter projects, um, which will be available through Drive-Through RPG eventually. But for now, they're, they've all uh, funded, uh, but we are busy working on them. Um, the most recent thing that um, I have on DMs Guild is I contributed to the Rashomon campaign guide, which uh, you can probably find still in the top 10 on the DMs Guild of recent releases. It's a fantastic kind of setting in the Forgotten, uh, in the, the set in the Forgotten Realms by a bunch of really cool uh, um, creators. Um, like I said, I contributed a Witchlaren class to it as well as a few other things. Um, I wrote the adventure included in Keith Baker's Drat Metro setting called The Morning After, which is also available in DMs Guild. And then a whole bunch of other adventures. I will mention that the adventure I spoke about was the Nightworms and uh, and all that stuff. If you're interested in that, it's one of my very early adventures. So it's got some warts and stuff, but it is called Fate of the Nightworms. And it's quite delightful. And it is um, something, it is one of those adventures that you can take and kind of delete the content potentially and um you know, uh, try your own thing using the formatting, you know. Yes, this is me telling you to buy my adventure and delete the content. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm great at promotion also. Um, anyhow, yes, that's me. Awesome. I will, uh, I'll make sure to pop a link to your Twitter and, and your website in the episode description too. So if you, uh, if you want to just click on the description below to find Andrew, it should all be there for you. Um, well, thank you very much. As ever, if you want to get involved in the conversation, if you want to join us here on We Speak Common, then you can. We're on Twitter at We Speak Common. We're on Facebook, We Speak Common Pod, uh, and we're on Instagram too. And of course, we have an email address. It's uh, we speak common at hotmail.com. So if you've got a topic or if you've been uh, inspired by some of the conversation, get in touch, let us know. Uh, and last but not least, the uh, the best way to support this show if you want to of course it's free internet content but if you want to get involved and support us patreon is the way to do it there's links in the description below and on our twitter too it gets you access to our uh, completely private discord server where uh, i've got to be honest uh, it's my favorite place to hang out on the internet with people who talk D and minis and art and actual plays and writing and all that stuff all the time um, so come and hang out with us potentially guest on a show if you want to go that far that's a reward on patreon too um and also get access to our actual play series a week early anyway that's enough of the pitching for me i hope you've enjoyed this episode andrew thank you again um have a wonderful rest of your day my friend thank you very much
Thanks for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, do us a favour and share us with a friend or a D&D group near you. If you'd like to directly support We Speak Common, you can by heading to the links in the description, either on this episode or via our social medias to find our Patreon. It's the best way to directly support the production of more shows like the one you listen to today. You can connect with the show on Twitter and Instagram at We Speak Common. The music in the episode is Street Dancing by Timecrawler82 and is held under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. You can find it on the Free Music Archive. Music